0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones.
1: Building in Faith Sometimes success ruins you. Sometimes promotion undoes you. It's your undoing. And what happens in Gideon is he begins to act like a king. Instead of recognizing that the victory God gave them was a reason to sing and rejoice, he uses it as an occasion to seek revenge.
0: Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This scripture should be a memory verse for anyone that desires to be used by God to help further his kingdom. Today, Pastor Ed will be warning us against becoming puffed up when we receive a promotion or if we become blessed financially or materially. Everything you have has been given to you by God, so there's no reason to boast. All your successes in life have been allowed because of the sovereignty of God. Give the Lord all of the glory. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Winning the battle, but losing the victory.
1: The Association of Evangelicals published an article on men who were best used of God, and it highlighted Chuck Templeton. Didn't mention anything about Billy Graham. And when they talk about Braun Clifford, they said that Bron Clifford was the most gifted and powerful preacher the church had seen in centuries. I mean, they would pack out the stadiums, people would come to hear them, but you just remember Billy Graham. There's a reason. Chuck Templeton was tall, handsome, and he was offered the lead part in The Robe, the film. They, or at least they looked at him for that part. He decided to go into broadcasting. He decided to take another track, and he actually departed from the faith after winning significant victories and many coming to the Lord through his ministry. Then, Braun Clifford went through some personal struggles. He had two daughters with Down syndrome. He left his wife and his daughters, and he actually became addicted to alcohol. And 10 years later... Around 1955, he died in a hotel alone by himself, an alcoholic. They started off great and won significant victories, but they lost in the end. During the Second World War, the British Air Force, the Royal Air Force, psychologists observed pilots coming back, and they said after they went on a successful mission, when they came back... On their way back, they made the most errors. And they said the reason for that, if as they observed, was after they had those battles that they won, those triumphs that they experienced, they felt like they had to rest. And they sort of took it easy. There's a quote, let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. Gideon handles the battle superbly. He overcame the occupational hazards of the battle. In every occupation, in every job, there are occupational hazards. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're a construction worker, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And one of the occupational hazards, if you attempt to do the will of God in your life, is the criticism of those who should be supportive. The criticism of those who should be supportive. In Judges 8, 1 to 3, it reads Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, Why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when we went to fight against Midian? And they criticized him sharply. Now, Gideon replies with diplomacy, and he says, I've done nothing in comparison to you. You've been far greater than me. And he's diplomatic. What motivated Ephraim, the tribe, was they were offended. Behind the offense was pride. What drove them was they were a proud tribe. They were one of the largest, the strongest of all the tribes of Israel. Joshua came from Ephraim, and they felt offended because of their pride. See, sin can cause offense and cause you to be critical with others. And we live in a very critical culture. We criticize our politicians. We criticize uh, sports athletes. It's just part of the culture. And it seeps sometimes into the hearts and lives of believers where we find it very easy to criticize other believers who are doing God's work. And here you have an example of a situation where they're criticizing Gideon, but Gideon handles it wisely. You'll notice that um, this tribe later on gets in trouble because they never deal with the pride issue and it catches up with them. In Proverbs 16.32, it says, better is a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. And Gideon at this point in the journey is exemplary. He's controlling his temper. He's not responding to their response. He's trying to unify the nation because Ephraim would be divisive in their attitude towards Gideon. And besides, Gideon was following what God had told him to do. He was doing what God had asked him to do. The second occupational hazard you're going to look at is the indifference of those who should be supportive. Gideon goes over the Jordan River, he's on the Transjordan, and on the other side, he asks for some help. His troops are tired. The 300 men are exhausted. They need bread and water and supplies. And so he says, please give me some loaves of bread for my troops. I have with me. They're worn out. And I'm hot on the trail of Zeba and Zelumen, the Midnight kings. But the leaders of Sukkot said, you're on a wild goose chase. Why should we help you on a fool's errand? Man, they were insulting to him. They weren't supportive of him. You will find the people that you sometimes think will support you don't support you. How many of you found that? Some of the people that you do the most for, that you help the most, as a Christian, as a person who loves the Lord, you find that you help this person, help that person, but it doesn't mean they reciprocate. And that's why... You do what you do to please the Lord. You do what you do to honor the Lord. If ever you put your eyes on people, you're surely going to stumble. If ever your motivation is merely to please people, you're surely going to trip up. Your attitude should always and only be, I want to please my heavenly Father. And so Gideon, at this moment, overcomes the occupational hazard. He's able to be diplomatic with those proud people, the Ephraimites, who criticize so sharply. He's able to overcome the disappointment with those who should be supportive and helping him achieve the God-given task that he is, has because it's gonna benefit them as well. And then he overcame not only the occupational hazard but the personal hazards in the battle. See, there's not only those things around us but those things within us. Not only the things that we face about us in the midst of the battle, but those things that we deal with within us. And so you'll notice in the text that he had this commitment to persevere under pressure. In Judges 8-4, Gideon and his 300 men exhausted, yet keeping up the pursuit. Uh, Notice that they were tired, they were weary. They could say, Listen, we're not going to go over the Jordan. We took care of these guys, and they've left this side of the nation. But Gideon felt compelled to complete the job. And so he kept on going, even though he was exhausted, even though he was tired. Listen, you're going to get worn out no matter what you do, if you do it well, you pursue a degree you decide to work hard, you decide to give your best to a a task that God wants you to fulfill, Uh, you'll get tired and weary in it. It's not great talent. It's not great abilities. It's the ability to persevere. And that's what Calvin Coolidge said. He said, press on. Nothing in the world can take the place of perseverance. Talents will not nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. What he's saying is keep on keeping on. You know, it's A joy to me to look over the congregation and see so many people with gray hair. Not just because you're in my category, and age group, but it says something to me. It says that you've been keeping on, keeping on. You've been going through the years. It's easy to start, but it's not as easy to consistently serve the Lord through the years. And that's what Gideon is in the midst of the battle, he's persevering. He's keeping on, keeping on. You want to develop a skill, you want to develop an ability, you want to see uh, a ministry go forward, you need perseverance. And then there was something else that he had, the fortitude to believe under pressure. Gideon, after he was insulted at Peniel, and he gets the same answer in verses 8 and 9, you see he says, after I return in victory, he, he believed. In the beginning, he wavered. He put the fleece out, and he said, God, make it wet and the ground dry, and the fleece was wet. He wrung it out in the bowl, and then he said, God, don't be angry with me, but I want to put another fleece out. God, let the ground be wet and the fleece dry, and God condescended and did that. And and then God saw that his faith was frail, and he said, listen, go down to the Midian camp. I want you to hear about this dream. It's a confirmation that you're gonna have victory. And after God did all of those things, he hid them in his heart so that he could believe. See, you have to treasure God's voice to you and what he has said. And here Gideon is, he is believing the Lord. He is trusting God. When you have faith, you'll be faithful. When you have faith, you'll be, have fortitude. You'll keep on going after what God has for your life. So I want to encourage you, keep on believing. Now here, he's reached the finish line. I mean, he did well with the battle. They, they defeated the Midianites. They were out of the land. But here's at the finish line, he yields to the success syndrome after a victorious battle. He yields to the success syndrome after a victorious battle. You know what he did? He gave into personal retaliation, vengeance. In Judges 8, 14 to 17, you see that he goes back, and those people that didn't help him in Transjordan, he takes revenge on them. And and you could see the way he did it. It wasn't just justice, there was this vengeance in it. And then those who killed his relative, he said, I would have let you live, but you killed my relatives, and I'm going to kill you too. And then he tells his son to do it because he said, I'm not going to take the time to do it. Let the And his son won't do it. And those two kings rebuke him. And they say to him, be the man, Gideon, do it. I mean, you could see it's not one of his finest moments. There's a sense of retaliation. Instead of shepherding the people, he's becoming like a despot. He's becoming like one of the kings of the, that Middle East area. And, and you just see this change once he comes over Transjordan. You know, sometimes success is our worst enemy. It's easy to handle suffering and trials. It's more easy to handle suffering and trial than it is at times success person came to me one day and said, I want to become a pastor. I want to be a preacher. And he was a good man. He was a good speaker and loved the Lord and everything. And and I said to him, well, that's great. Why do you want to become a preacher? He said, because I don't want to be tempted anymore. I know if I become a preacher, I won't have any more temptations. I said, no, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Sometimes success ruins you. Sometimes promotion undoes you. It's your undoing. And what happens in Gideon is he begins to act like a king. Instead of recognizing that the victory God gave them was a reason to sing and rejoice, he uses it as an occasion to seek revenge. I mean, even Saul had more sense, King Saul. When King Saul won a victory, The people came to him and said, remember the people that didn't support you? Let's get them now. And Saul said, no, no, we're not going to do that. He said, because this is a time to recognize the victory that God has given. Remember when Moses and Miriam and Aram, they went through the Red Sea and the people were victorious? They sang praises to God. And they rejoiced in God even Deborah and Barak in chapter five of Judges after the victory, they worshiped and gave glory to God. I don't see Gideon doing that. In fact, he goes to one of the young men at Sukkoth and he says, tell me the list of all of those elders of the city. I want all of them. There was about 77 of them. And he said, all right, I'm gonna get them and I'm gonna seek revenge on them. And he did. See, something happened in Gideon's heart that was wrong. Something else, I think of the quote that I like, the only people with whom you should try to get even are those who have helped you. <laughs> That's good advice. Leave people, circumstances, situations in God's hands. Let him be the one who settles the score. Now, he knows the hearts of people. These people at Sukkot, the people at Peniel, they lived over on the other side of the Jordan. And those people were fearful If the Midianites had come against them and uh, Gideon wasn't fully successful, they would be the first to feel the reprisal. Gideon, don't you remember when you were afraid and God had to bring you along? When we become judgmental and when we have an attitude like Gideon had, it's saying something to us. We forgot where God brought us from. We forgot the amazing grace that he displayed in our lives. We have forgotten, Gideon, don't you remember you were like them? You said, Lord, not me. You, you, I mean, you weren't anxious to do that. Uh, you even went to God and said, God, don't be angry with me. One more sign, one more sign. And God had to again strengthen his faint heart. They didn't have those experiences with God that he had. But yet, Gideon's heart. See, success can sometimes be more crippling than failure if you let it go to your head. Something else happens. He was ambushed by ambition. He gave into personal ambition. Now, watch very careful the words here. But Gideon told them, they want to make him a king, I will not rule over you, you will, nor will my son rule over you, the Lord will rule over you. That was good theology, but it wasn't what he practiced. Now, there's always incongruity between what we believe and sometimes what we do. We're not fully changed until we get to a heaven. But there was a lot of incongruity here because he said, I'm not going to be king, I'm not going to rule over you, my son's not going to rule over you. But then, on the other hand, he acts like a king, he does the opposite. He should have remembered what Moses said. Moses said, someday you'll have kings. It was part of God's plan for the Israelites to have kings rule over them. And that was God's will for them. But what happened is God said, when you have kings, don't multiply your wives. Don't have harems, in other words. And don't multiply your wealth. And Gideon did both. He lived like a king. Look at the text. He says, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder, custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. And then it says he had 70 sons of his own, for he had many wives. His concubine who lived in Shechem also bore him a son and named him Abimelech. You know what that means? My father is a king. That's the name that his son had. So he said, I'm not gonna be king. But on the other hand... He lived like a king. So at the very finish line, you see his 70 sons ruling over the people like princes. You see him like a king. And then he made another critical mistake. I think he had the right motive, but he didn't know the word of God. He had the right motive, but he didn't do what was right in God's eyes. He took the gold and he made an ephod. That ephod was, was sort of a, like an apron, a breastplate that the high priest would wear. There would be three rows of four stones. And then in the pockets would be a, a Urim and a Thummim. And the priest would use that to determine the will of God in a moment of crisis. They would discern what God wanted them to do, how he wanted them to do it. Here he makes this beautiful ephod and he puts it in his home town, Orpha. What he was doing was really crossing the line because Shiloh was where the tent of God was. Shiloh was where the place of worship was. And it was the high priest role. Now, if he wanted to reform things, he could pray for things. He could try and influence things. But he decided he had heard from God God had appeared to him and spoken to him and used him. And so he was going to make this ephod and he was going to put it in his own hometown, perhaps at the very place where he built the altar to Yahweh, to God. And here he builds this ephod and this uh, ephod becomes an idol where people begin to consult it. And it becomes a snare to his own sons, his own home to all of Israel, and it says they prostitute themselves. Remember how it began, the story of Gideon? They were going far from God. They were worshiping idols. And it ends with them going far from God and worshiping idols. That book ends the whole story. The battle was won, but the victory was lost. Gideon, they had peace. The text says that. No, the Midianites their power was broken over them. But what happened is Israel turned from God. Had Gideon followed Deuteronomy, had he known the word and practiced the word, he would have ended well. Yes, he made the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. And, and he was saved and, you know, he, he did a lot of good. But there were things he did that created a lot of problems. The theme throughout the book of Judges is Every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's a big mistake. We must do what's right in God's eyes, not in our own eyes. We must not become a law unto ourselves. Gideon's success, in many ways, was his undoing. In our culture, we worship success. God takes note of faithfulness and obedience. And what our responsibility is, is to obey and do what God wants us to do and to follow his word. Now, this illustrates to us that there is only one hero in the Bible, and it's God. God uses frail, weak people to accomplish his purposes. If you look at the judges, they were just men. And Gary Ingram says, one of the oldest tendencies of our sinful hearts is to exalt men to the place that belongs only to God. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, our culture has gone far from God, far from his word, far from his will and his ways. And as Christians, don't live your life by your personal opinions. Anchor your life in the word of God. Had Gideon followed the word and had Israel followed the word, they never would have made that ephod. He never would have set that up in his hometown. Perhaps he felt, you know, God gave me success and I'm going to tell everybody else how to do it. You you go into the prayer closet and you have a prayer time with God and then he Performs an incredible miracle for you. And then you go say, I'm going to write a book on 10 ways to have all your prayers answered. Or you go into the prayer closet and God comes and gives you a miracle. And then you say, I'm going to tell everybody else how to have a miracle. Now, I'm not decrying having books or things like that, but I am saying this Do we consider that it's the grace and the mercy of God? that we have what we have, and that we accomplish what we accomplish. Gideon could have never done what he did, and you can't do what you need to do unless God is with you. And we must always remember, it's by grace and grace alone that we succeed.
0: Throughout the history of the nation of Israel, There have been various forms of leadership, from the creator of heaven and earth, to kings, to judges. The Book of Judges details the time when God chose judges like Othniel and Deborah to make right ruling in Israel. Join us each day as Pastor Ed shares with us, verse by verse, from the Book of Judges. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. And spend some time getting to know us. Visiting the website will also help you stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to BuildingInFaithRadio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845 462 59, 55. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Judges. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you.